This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Each your inside pass to everything Saints football. Jimmy Graham brings it down, and that is a touchdown, New Orleans. We'll take you to places most fans never go. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room, following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown, Taysom Hill, to Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby! Welcome Inside Black and Gold. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak and a huge episode because there have been changes to the coaching staff, which I know all y'all have been waiting for. Ch-ch-ch-chinchilla. Um, what, what is happening anyway? Yes. Fun fact. We recorded a dry run of this podcast prior to the news coming out. Um, because you know, we, we initially were like, well, there's no, there's not going to be any GM press conference today. So we'll record a podcast kind of generically talking about what's going on. And then halfway through it, the news comes down that we were kind of expecting, right? I think anyone who's paying attention was like, they're going to make some changes. Saints are going to make some changes, but how sweeping are they going to be? That's how I phrased it, like midway through the season. Like, changes are coming. The right. question is how sweeping they're going to be. There will be no head coach firing. I've still had people tell me that there's like, oh, maybe Dennis Allen's name is going to be next. No, oh. you do not fire assistants and then fire the head coach. Because if you fire a head coach, all the assistants are going to be gone anyway. Um, or at least most of them. Right. So... In terms of the Saints, three names today. Doesn't mean they're the only three names, but three names today. Offense coordinator Pete Carmichael. That's not a huge surprise, but it's still a major sea change in terms of he's been here for 18 years. He's been the offensive coordinator since, what, 2009? It's wild. Like Now, obviously, the last two years has been different in the sense that he's been the play caller and the lead right. offensive coordinator, which you know, anytime you're working with Sean Payton, he's the offensive, like, call it what you want. He's in charge of the offense, and Pete is the second in command. 
basically Joe Woods to Dennis Allen now. But Pete Carmichael, no longer the offensive coordinator. Two other names that I was a little bit more surprised by. Now, one is senior offensive assistant, Pete Bick, or Bob Bicknell, sorry. Bob Bicknell, Bicknell, who, you know, I I don't really know much about him. Obviously, I I couldn't even tell you exactly what he did. But clearly, something wasn't, you know, working there. And then wide receivers coach Cody Burns. That was a little, that's more of a surprise than Pete, obviously. Yeah, I mean, I misread the situation. Like, if we, I did a podcast last week where I said, "Hey, I think that Cody is going to be safe in all this." Clearly not. Clearly, because like again, like we talked about this, Saints are only getting into their evaluations now. Hey, y'all, Jeff Nowak here. Just wanted to drop in a quick note. One of the reasons recording podcasts around this time of year is so annoying is because by the time you post something, it always always seems to be outdated. That's the case here. We talk a lot about Saints running backs coach Joel Thomas in this podcast. We suggest, hey, he might be going somewhere else. And wouldn't you know it, the Giants announced this afternoon after we recorded that they would be hiring him as their new running backs coach. So that will be a fourth staff change. I didn't want to delete the conversations we had about it in here because I think there's good context there. But I did want to let you all know if you're confused, running backs coach Joel Thomas is headed to the Giants. It happened after we recorded this podcast. Thanks, y'all, for listening. Who dat? Go Saints. Woohoo. For someone to get fired today, that means that, you know, people were complaining. It's like, well, well, you got to evaluate during the season. You got to get into the offseason and already know who you're moving on from. Clearly, they did. Clearly, they knew because, like, you can understand, like, I think. So the way I kind of would look at it is if you were firing a head coach, that would have happened last week. You're firing a coordinator. That happens right now because everything kind of trickles down from that. So I wasn't expecting to see a position coach fired today unless like, like to me, that means that you are putting some of the discontentment in the wide receiver room and, and whatever that was on Cody. It means that you think he lost control of that room to some extent. At least that's how I read it. Because the the broader picture of it is like the you know Chris Olave, Rashid Shahid, At Perry, they'll they'll seem to be developing pretty well, right? But then you have Michael Thomas over there sniping people with with passive aggressive tweets, and you're just like, well, something's not going right over there, you know? It might um, just be lyrics, though, bro. I don't know. Uh, well, we'll talk <laughs> about Mike more. We're gonna get into we're gonna use these first two segments to talk about the coaching moves and maybe what's you know, we're gonna talk about the moves that happen in this first segment. What could be next? Who because who, there's still gonna be more moves made. However, how, however sweeping they are, again is the question. We'll talk about that in the second segment. Final segment, we'll get into what we had intended to talk about in the last time we started recording, which is some free agents and who's gonna be up for free agency. And there's 24 names. Michael Thomas is one of them, so. It kind of works in that you you can we can talk about some of the wide receivers uh, uh, relative to that, um, but you know what what I mean what's your what's your kind of initial reaction to to seeing the firings today? Uh, definitely with P. Carmichael Jr. I, I think everybody kind of felt this had to be a move that needed to happen. Uh, we we weren't expecting anything. At least you and I are in that group of not expecting Dennis Allen to get fired in this uh, whole travesty of a season. But there needed to be something different that happened and obviously da is the defensive side of the ball uh while we did see some nice things down the stretch from this offense just really too much inconsistency uh, a lot of question marks even last year going into this year we just uh haven't seen much growth from that side of the football and especially uh the run game really not developing at all uh really curious to see what happens uh shocked that Doug Marone, the offensive line coach, 
uh, not a part of this. But like you said, the this the moves might not be done with this squad just yet. Yeah, like again, like we'll, we'll talk about that in the second segment. But I agree, like there's going to be a lot of questions. And again, one of the reasons I'm surprised to see Cody Burns' name on here today is because the evaluation process is just getting started. The team was off last week, or at least the coaching staff, uh, other than Dennis Allen, was off last week. That, that was more right. about Dennis meeting with Mickey and kind of coming up with plans. So again, like for someone to get fired today, that means that that happened right at the beginning of that process. You had already decided by the time the season ended that you were moving on. And and Cody Burns, in particular, his second year coach, came up from Tennessee. You know, like I I think the receiving the receiver room liked him. Like I never got any kind of hint that this, there was some kind of discontentment there, but you know, clearly, you know, sometimes it's hard with these position coaches to have a, to get a clear idea of how things are going. Um, but yeah, last year you rebuilt the defensive staff and that was kind of the focus of the off season right. is you brought in a new off defensive coordinator and Joe Woods, you brought in a new secondary coach, you know, a new, new defensive line coach, right? Obviously Ryan Nielsen and Chris Richard no longer here. Um, I am interested to see what happens with Chris Richard. I'm sorry, with Ryan Nielsen, um, with the coaching change in Atlanta, because typically when you hire a new coach, they don't keep the coordinators. Um, and I would be very, I would be stunned if they hire a Bill Belichick and keep the coordinators, because Bill has his whole his whole tree to pick from, right? Like, why would he go with the guy who's in there? But who knows? I don't know. Um, Either way, you know, you you did that last year. You rebuilt the defensive staff last year, and this year it's the offensive staff. And my main criticism is like you should have you should have done this last year. Um, the idea I think in keeping keeping Pete was like, okay, well we can kind of rebuild this, get a quarterback in there, and you know you'll kind of see this renaissance because you don't want to yeah. change offensive systems and you want to continue to do the things you did with Drew with a guy that you think can replicate that. Now, obviously that went terribly. Um, you did kind of find ways at the end of the year, you know, the first four games of the year, you didn't crack 20 points. The final six games of the year, you scored 20 plus in all of those games, right? Your final two games of the year, you won 71 to 30, but clearly that wasn't enough. Clearly the, the, the team looked at that and said, we can replicate that, but there were too many issues around that to to, to keep it going. And, and I, I, I said this at the time when they were, looking at it last year, it's like, I think when you have a defensive head coach, you need kind of a rock star offensive coordinator. You need to look at your offensive coordinator as the head coach of the offense. And, and I just, I don't think that Pete was ever that guy. Like, like I've, I asked a few people, I was like, can you imagine Pete going into a room with an with the offensive players and like reaming them out? And like, can you imagine him raising his voice? I, I don't, I just don't see that. Like, and so when things are going well, I think he could, he's a good game planner. He's a good developmental coach, but I just don't know if he's a guy that I could trust to command a room. And, and that alone was what made me question, you know, the idea to have him as the offensive coordinator. Cause I think you need that, right? I think you need someone who, who people will, you know, if he's, if you, if you mess up, He's going to call you out on it and you're going to, you know, like, you know, obviously, you know, you don't need a drill sergeant, but you need to, you need to split the difference somehow. And to me, that was the one of one of my bigger, bigger gripes. And we talk to him every week, right? Like he comes out and does these press conferences and I'm just like, it feels bad this. for him. It's like a puppy dog. Yeah. For me with Pete, uh, we know that the personality really doesn't seem to jive as a NFL coach. And we've seen that. You know, uh, might be a big reason. Obviously, he didn't really get called 
for head coaching positions because of his demeanor. Well, right. Like you would never think of Pete as a head coach. No. You would never think of Pete as a head coach. But he makes sense with Sean. And that's why I, I fully expect him to land in Denver. <laughs> right? Like whether he takes over for, for Lombardi, who's the offensive coordinator there now, or just becomes like a senior offensive assistant or whatever. Right. Some kind of role for sure in Denver is ahead of him. I agree. I would be stunned if he doesn't end up in Denver. But it's like that works. Like that combination works. I just don't think that, yes. you know, for the same reason, you would never view him as a head coach candidate. He doesn't make sense as the sole leader of an offense. But, you know, I think, you know, people are going to look immediately at John Gruden. Absolutely. And, you know, that's going to be awkward. But, like, we've the Saints went all in on Deshaun Watson. They clearly, if they think you can help them win, they're going to, you know, you can, you can talk, we can criticize it. But I think that if that lawsuit gets sorted out, prior to the 2024 season, um, which I don't know. I haven't looked at it lately to see kind of where it is now. If that, yeah. it, As long as he's not suing the NFL, I think he's going to end up being a prime candidate for them. Yeah, that's definitely obviously the name we've heard batted about the most. And, you know, it was initially, what was it, last week or the week before? It's like, well, they're talking about bringing him in in a senior offensive assistant kind of role. Well, there's that open now and also the offensive coordinator. So it'll be interesting to see if this team really is in on John Gruden. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, and well, so we'll have, yeah, we'll have to see. And and again, you know, it, one of the things that I think is interesting, and and we talk, we could talk about this a little bit in this segment is like. Like I said, I view when you have a defensive head coach, right? You need your offensive coordinator to be kind of a rock star, the head coach of the offense. And so to me, I view firing your offensive coordinator is basically like firing the head coach of your offense. So what what happens when you fire your head coach, right? You know, like you can't make decisions on the staff, until you know who that is, right? Like, like we, we talked about this in the in the never to be heard previous podcast, but we can get into it. One of the, the things that kind of grossed me out this here, week, right? One of the things that kind of grossed me out this week was the Falcons blocking their special teams coordinator from interviewing with the Giants. The Panthers did the same thing; they blocked their special teams coordinator from interviewing with the Giants. And so, to me, that's gross because both of those teams fired their head coaches. And they can say, well, we want to keep this guy around. We want to keep Chris Tabor. I don't even know who the Falcons guy is. Like, we want to keep him. But the Falcons are interviewing Bill Belichick. You're telling me that if Bill Belichick said, yeah, I will come coach for you guys, <laughs> and, but I want to bring my own special teams coordinator. And they're like, oh, well, out, we, right. we still got this guy. So you're going to use him. I'm like, no. If it, like Whatever head coach comes in, maybe they'll be fine with that special teams coordinator. But you don't know. There's no way for you to know. So you're holding that guy hostage. And I, and I think like when you're looking at an offensive coordinator, it's not as extreme as that, but it's similar. Like if you bring in an offensive coordinator that you really like, and he says, well, but I want, I want to work with this guy. Not, right, I've got my line coach. I've got my wide receivers guy. I've got my tight ends coach. Right. So like, I, I don't think that you can necessarily make a lot of those decisions right now. Yeah. That um, makes sense. <laughs> and, and so, but so I think like, that's why you make that decision early. Cause now 
Yeah, like you're not going to interview a wide receivers coach until you interview an offensive coordinator. Right. Like you wouldn't hire the wide like that's why people were like, well, well, maybe they'll still fire DA. I'm like, no, they won't. Because there's an order with which you need to do things, right? Like this, you know, we all had the PEMDAS, right? Like and like there's an order of operations in firing and hiring coaches too. Like if you're gonna fire the head coach, you don't fire the offensive coordinator first. Um, so yeah, anyway, anyway, like I, I like Pete. I feel like I, I think you know, I think Pete was in over his head. And I think we could all have looked at that situation two years ago yeah. and probably been like, I think he might be in over his head even before seeing it. Right. Cause the idea was like, well, this was Sean's show. It wasn't Pete's show. It wasn't like Pete was in the background pulling all the strings. Sean was pulling all the strings and Pete was holding the strings. Then you saw it play out. And I think that was pretty clear that that's exactly what it what was the case. And so I think this was a year later than it should have been. And the question now is who do you, who, who can you bring in? Who can be that guy? Uh, cause it can get worse. Like that's again, like I, I said this during the season, everyone's like, fire this guy, fire this guy, fire this guy. It can be worse. <laughs> it can be worse. So you got to make the right decision now. Um, and that's why like, like firing in mid season didn't make sense either. Like why would that, how would that have been better? You would still be in this exact same position right now. Um, than you, as you were mid season, if you fired him after like week 10 to me, uh, the, the notion that DA is still on the hot seat, you need to throw that out the window. If well, I, mean, I think he that. is still on the hot seat. Right, but he's, his job, he's not losing his job going into this offseason. Right, the temperature's got to remain stable. It's cold oh, outside, yeah, it's so still, he's probably like, thank you, keep it there, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, like, he's probably, like, feeling pretty good now because it's, like, 28 degrees outside, and his seat is pretty warm. And he's like, oh, <laughs> this is good. <laughs> it's kind of comfy. <laughs> not really, though. But, yeah, I no. mean, it, it's squarely now, all right, Year one didn't work. Year two now, clearly the team's going to make some offensive changes. And now heading into th year three, there ain't going to be anybody to quote-unquote point the finger back at it's going to be Dennis Allen that's going to be the next one out the door kind of thing. Yeah, right, right, exactly, exactly. And and it's like people are annoyed, going to be annoyed by this. I understand why. But, you know, one of the things that, you know, I, I, I did a whole podcast last week about like – you just got to be realistic about where you are. And I think the saints are being realistic about where they are. And, you know, people say like, well, they're crazy to not fire their head coach. And one, one thing that's like, I, 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 there's no research arm of this podcast, believe it or not, you know, and I don't feel like doing this research, but the only reason I'm not saying that it's never happened is because I'm, I'm not willing to take the time to do it. So if anyone wants to do it to prove me wrong, I, I would, I would love it if someone wants to do this. Cause I've been asking people to give me examples of this happening and to this point, zero. I have gotten zero responses that were even really close. Um, so three qualifiers, to, and, and that they're only three because that's what the Saints are – what you're saying is the obvious thing for the Saints to do right now relative to Dennis Allen would be to fire a head coach in year two who had his record improve year over year and finish above 500, right? Now, I will give you the entire history of the NFL to play with. Find me one example of that happening. Not a guy who, you know, went two and 12 in year one and four and 13 or whatever. The, the math doesn't work. You get the idea. Two wins in year one, four years in year two. I think that's Joe Judge, right? Like that's what happened to Joe Judge. That's a different scenario. If Dennis Allen won four games this year, yeah, fire him in the sun. Um, you know, it, it's, it's not a guy who coached for 13 years and then got fired at age 72 after a nine and eight season. After back-to-back -back nine and eight seasons, that's not the same. You know, it's not a guy who's 71 
and had his and and won five Super Bowls, but then you know had progressively worse seasons each of the last three years. That's not the same. Find me an example of a head coach who just finished year two, had his team's record improve year over year, and finished above five hundred. Find me one example of that happening in the history of the NFL, and I will be like, hey, look, this person did a really good good job of finding this. I'm just curious because otherwise to me, I don't know if it's ever happened. And so like, that's why I don't look at this and say, well, they're crazy to only be firing the offensive coordinator into trying to find a new thing that fits, but it is it, there. There's a tight window, like a, like a very narrow window. You're, you know, needle you're trying to thread here because Derek Carr's not going anywhere, but you got to find an offensive coordinator that can work with him and get it done quick. Cause you're not yeah. going to have the ramp up time, like no, the, people aren't going to view a new offensive coordinator as an excuse for the first half of this season happening again. No, right. You're you're going to be right back on fan shit list if this team comes out game one and the offense is sluggish and you know it's like it's like a nine six game. God forbid. <laughs> well, if the offense, I mean, like because you could you could look at this season and say, yeah, it was a slow burn, but by the end you were burning pretty hot. Right. They were clicking. They were showing signs of life. Yes. Now there's, but, but if, if you come into next season and you look like you did in week two, week four, week right. six, people aren't going to take that. Like, that's the thing. No, that's great. We're right like, back to the start again. Yeah. You can't start over. You got to, and, and, and there's reason to think that it's not just the offensive coordinator, right? Like there's Derek more comfortable with Olave, sure. Rashid, A.T. Perry, Juwan Johnson, Kendra Miller, guys like that. So you're not going to start from scratch with them. It's more just like, can the offense continue to work? under somebody new. And so like, for that reason, I don't think you're going to bring in someone who's going to completely change the system. So you got to bring in someone that can work within kind of those boundaries that you've already set. Like you're not going to change the entire playbook, but, but this is a good question of like, how much of it do you change? Because yeah. this is the first time in the last 20 years that you've had a new playbook in here that you've had someone, an offensive coordinator who wasn't an understudy who, who wasn't Sean Payton or an understudy of Sean Payton. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting. And uh, I think that's going to be what determines whether Dennis gets through year three. I really do. Yeah, to me, it's like, all right, uh, year one, whatever. Year two, we're going to make some changes here for the offense. But year three, there, there's nobody, like I said, to, to quote unquote, point that finger at. Then your head coach. And then it's like, sorry, Dennis, we tried your way. Three years, no such luck. You're You're out the door. But... I mean, we know this division is pretty weak. So there's still that likelihood again next year. We're talking about, oh, the Saints could take the NFC South uh, because because of uh, what you're looking at. I mean, who knows who's coming back for the Buccaneers? Look at the run they're making right now. I don't think anyone expected yeah. that. Yeah. No, I, and and it, though the funny thing is like, yeah, like I can make this argument. It's like year two, blah, 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 blah. You can find – dozens of examples of coaches getting fired after year three, including or, or in year yeah, three, even right. Including Dennis. Yes. Uh, with the Raiders, like even, even that terrible tenure made it to year three. Now, <laughs> once you're in year three, I, for, you know, I don't right. know. I don't know if there's like a class that GMs take where they, they kind of like go through, but it's very clear that a lot of them operate the same way in that kind of cycle of like, no, this is like the point where we have given you, all of the opportunities that that are fair to give you, yeah, and then and then that's when the firings start. Um, 
You hear and that so, when they draft players too. You can't really, you know, decide on a guy until year three. So uh, maybe it's the same thing with coaches, like you mentioned. Well, I just think that, like there's a point where it's like you need to give them time to actually implement things, right? Like it, right, it's right. kind of similar to college in that way of like you can't really judge a head coach until he gets his players in, right? And the reason it feels different for the Saints is because DA was there prior, but they're not going to like that's in terms of hiring and firing a coach. You're not going to like I've had people tell me that it was like this is different because DA has been around since 20, what, 16, 2017. But like the, the, the front office isn't going to hold his time as a defensive coordinator against him in terms of like, well, you have a shorter lease as a head a leash as a head coach because you were so successful as a defensive coordinator. Either way, I do think it's 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 something. And, you know, like I, I'm as frustrated as anybody that we have to have these exact same conversations again. What is exciting, though, is obviously there's change coming, and I think it is definitely uh, much needed for this offense. It wasn't working. Um, we like we, we saw those glimpses at the end, but it just wasn't enough overall. And um, yeah, I don't I don't know what kind of input Derek Carr is going to have on this, but I, I know we're going to talk about it more. That's why a guy like John Gruden does make a lot of sense right now. Agreed, and so. Let's wrap up this segment. We're going to come back and record another segment on kind of, okay, what, what's next? What other moves do we think might get made? And, and that sort of thing. This is Inside Black and Gold. I am Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. Pete Carmichael. Outski. Start packing. Pack it up, Pete. Get those skis ready. Head over to Aspen. <laughs> That's Colorado. They're both Colorado. You've seen Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. We landed on the moon! Anyway, <laughs> that's we're good. We're good. We're gonna go. This is inside black and gold. Stick around. Ooh, that. <laughs>